Welcome to the ESG Matters podcast. My name is Amatko Mies, and I'm your host. Today, we have Nick Renke, CEO of Habitare. Habitare provides 360-degree in-depth intelligence for every plot of farmland across the globe with unprecedented field-scale insights for businesses in the broader agricultural industry. Welcome to the ESG Matters podcast, Nick. Thanks, Amat. Great to be here. Great. So just to level set, can you provide a quick overview of the business need for Habitare? Yeah, absolutely. There are a variety of different applications for what we do, but maybe the simplest way to talk about it is when we look at the global need for climate action, a lot of companies are setting climate-based targets, uh, science-based targets around their emissions goals, and agriculture is an especially challenging area for emissions quantification and carbon sequestration measurement because the collection of data is typically manual, cost prohibitive, and sometimes near impossible to gather. So when these companies set these emissions goals, they're looking to quantify the impact that their ag sourcing footprint has on the environment and be able to track the improvements year over year. And then on the flip side, farmers need to understand what their opportunities are in emerging ecosystem markets and carbon markets So they need to understand what the associated greenhouse gas emissions are from their production practices. So what we do is leverage a number of different data sources, including satellite imagery right down to ground truth imagery and soil sampling. And we leverage some very advanced science and technology to model the production system and get accurate measurements of greenhouse gas emissions, carbon sequestration in the soil, nutrient use and fertilizer use and things like that to then quantify at scale sort of the environmental impact of of an agricultural sourcing region. So that's great to understand and thank you so much for providing that that baseline understanding and I and I do understand that in this space of ESG agriculture is such a critical component both as a product and also as a resource that people are trying to save just because of the the very nature of, of how critical it is to human existence. So I do really think that what you're talking about here makes a lot of sense as far as the need for it. But we've all heard about the impact of climate change on farmland and farmers. And I'm curious, what are the ways in which habitat can positively impact farming outcomes that can ultimately help secure our food systems? Yeah, that's a great question. So when we look at the practices that farmers could adopt to mitigate climate impact, those very same practices can also help mitigate the impact on farm of extreme weather events. So the things I'm talking about here would be, you know, one of the insights that we might provide would be, you know, you will sequester more carbon on your farm if you reduce tillage or add things like cover crops. Really, it's a focus on soil health and regenerative agricultural practices. So the beauty of these, not only do they reduce greenhouse gas emissions and improve carbon sequestration in the soil, but because you're working on that soil structure on the farm, that farmland becomes more resilient to extreme rainfall events and drought events. So moisture management just improves drastically by improving soil health. So by providing insights that help farmers adopt these practices, as well as enabling things like the carbon marketplace to incentivize these practices, farmers that adopt those practices become inherently more resilient to the extreme weather events that are caused and exacerbated by climate change. So it's kind of a virtuous cycle, right, where the the exact activity for a farmer to help mitigate 
the impacts of climate change are, are the same ones that help a farmer adapt to the impacts that they feel from climate change. So it makes our entire food system more resilient as well. That's such a critical component. We really need to understand that a lot of times the nature of ESG people think about is that it's very extractive in nature or it's almost a way that is punitive in order to create a better planet in what you're talking about with Habitare and if used correctly, here's an opportunity to improve the environment holistically for us all, but also for the farmer to be as operationally efficient and understand how they can best use their non-renewable resource, which is ground, in a way that provides the best results given their circumstance. So I think that's a really interesting thing that we need to understand when it comes to how we start to look at ESG products and services. So, and I think Habitat sounds like it's really on the cutting edge of that. Uh, no, I was just going to say that's absolutely right. I, I really appreciate your point on sort of how these ESG initiatives can seem extractive or punitive. And that's what has me so excited about the opportunity in agriculture. Is this is a net system gain for sort of every player up and down the value chain if we get the incentive mechanisms and the education piece. And when you think about the incentive mechanism, and you talked about this a little bit earlier, you know, as companies are setting this, these ambitious science-based targets, net zero goals, having quality data on the various carbon sequestration efforts is really critical to know if your program is working. Can you discuss how Habitat can help companies who are looking to understand how their science-based targets and net zero goals are going, what type of data that would kind of look like? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this question really highlights an important point, right? It, it's, it's an entire ecosystem of players that enable this market. Um, and you're asking the right question for us at Habitare, where we specialize in and focus on just accurate but also scalable and cost-effective quantification of environmental impacts. So to be clear, I mean, it, you know, it takes the action of the farmer to actually make the change. It takes the engagement, farmer advisors and boots on the ground working with farmers to support them. And ultimately it takes capital market and corporate investment to create these mechanisms. But yeah, right, right in the middle of all of that to enable it, we need accurate, credible quantification mechanisms. And as I mentioned at the top, it's, it's just really difficult to do that in agriculture because your production systems are so incredibly diverse from one geography to the next. And even farmers that are next door to each other that have different practices or different soil types will get drastically different results. So the reason that this matters is, you know, when you look at corporations making claims in the climate space or folks buying carbon credits, they really need to know that whatever they're talking about reporting on and claiming is a credible impact because corporations can't afford the risk of that ugly term greenwashing where they don't want to be out there and talking about this great work that they've done and then down the road comes to light that they didn't actually do as well as they said they did so they need data that they can really rely on that's auditable verifiable and and credible so that's really where the deep science of the work that we do at Habitat is important through collaboration with the university of illinois there are a number of technologies that have been developed at Dr. Caillou Guan's lab. Caillou is the founder of this company. But the technology that he's developed over the last six or so years with deep, deep research into a combination of remote sensing imagery, but also uh, deep domain science and agriculture. It's the combination of these things and that 
university research developed and peer-reviewed science that's really key here. So for us, it's not just a technological play, but it is tied directly to actual ag production systems. So the output of that is going to be things like net greenhouse gas emissions, so nitrous oxide and, and methane emissions from agricultural production, but also especially focusing on the, the carbon cycle, right? And that's, that's one thing that everybody's excited about is the opportunity for the soil to store, to store more carbon in it, right? So that's, that's the other key component. But we also look at things like watershed impacts. That's another key area for us to pay attention to is nutrient movement into watersheds. And when we look at things like the hypoxic zone of the Gulf of Mexico, that does tie back to a lot of agricultural, that runoff can be mitigated by the same practices that store carbon in the soil. So again, getting back to that virtuous cycle of the practice that's good for an, an emissions standpoint, it, it really pays dividends to farmers from a nutrient efficiency, but also from a watershed impact standpoint as well. And when you've talked to uh, clients about this, this specific part, when you're thinking about carbon sequestration, have you heard them say anything that has given you sort of time to sort of pause and think, maybe I need to, maybe there's a unmet need here based on what I'm hearing? And also, have you heard that maybe even from companies that they're maybe moving in one direction or another direction when it comes to how they're monitoring or adapting to this new level of scrutiny that they will face when it comes to not just putting out claims out there, but to make sure that those claims are actually proven and quantifiable? Man, so many rabbit holes on that one. I'm trying to pick a <laughs> pick a lane of response there. but. There are a few things. So one, you mentioned earlier, agriculture is is an absolutely phenomenal and and huge and, and immediate opportunity for climate action. So it plays a really key role in this space. But I think we need to be careful to not overhype the opportunity of carbon storage in the soil because we need to recognize these are dynamic production systems, right? So nature-based solutions like agriculture, they're going to be just one of many solutions that we need to deploy globally and rapidly to actually combat climate change the way that we need to. So I think maintaining that balance, optimism, but also just realism in terms of how much of a difference we can make in ag in the near term, because we're talking about farmers changing the way that they farm, and that's just a very difficult thing. So I think the whole industry is coming to terms with this, rapidly recognizing that while there's great opportunity to have a positive climate impact in agriculture, the process to make that change is just, it's difficult and it will take some time. So that's one component. The other component that I would speak to would be a key component, carbon removal and storage. So when we're talking about, in this case, in agriculture, it's you know photosynthetic activity, taking carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and storing it in uh, biomass and soil organic carbon in the soil. That's a beautiful thing, but recognizing that this is a dynamic system where it, it's a cycle, right? So this isn't just put away and stored and it's there forever, but it's actually an active cycle that's always storing and releasing carbon. So you're just looking for the net gain there. And the reason that I highlight that is when we think about mitigation of climate impact, we need, and the market is looking for thing called permanence or durability. So when we talk about carbon storage, we want to make sure that carbon stored stays stored. And that's a real challenge in agriculture because again, getting back to that dynamic system, like it, it's a new farming decision every year. So that 
dynamism in the agricultural system makes it challenging to say with certainty that carbon stored this year will continue to be stored next year, right? So if a farmer reduces tillage and then a couple of years later goes back to a more intensive tillage regime, that carbon that was stored in previous years, some of that could be released. So I think the challenge in that is the market just needs to understand the realities of agricultural production. It's not the same as, you know, a geological storage solution where you where you take and mineralize carbon and now it's in a very stable state that's not likely to get released. Agriculture is just a different creature. So we need to make sure that we have market mechanisms that understand that there is just going to be year over year variability, but we still want to be able to credit the positive direction, right? So net carbon gains year over year, even recognizing that that carbon on an individual acre might not stay there forever, as long as we're storing more carbon on balance this year than we were storing last year and on and on. That's still a win for the entire marketplace and indeed for the planet. So I know that's kind of a that's kind of a messy answer to that one, but it's just recognizing that there are a variety of different ways to have a carbon impact and to store carbon and agriculture is a great one, but it's not without its challenges as well. But I think that kind of also speaks to the very nature of a lot of the things that we're trying to do when it comes to anything dealing with science-based targets or anything dealing with our food systems is that we're entering oftentimes uncharted territory that on paper, oftentimes the solution seems very simple, but in implementation, that's where a lot of the nuances comes out that people may not have realized. And and I think that's one of the sort of the, the benefits from what I understand about Habitat is that here's a way for you to, like you said, look at the direction of these impacts and allow for that to happen in a way that is much more realistic and that you can also, from a corporate ESG perspective, you can communicate that to your stakeholders who care about these issues, which is a growing amount of stakeholders who care, in a way that you can also say this is not just from a quantitative perspective, this is what I'm doing directionally, but also from a qualitative, this is kind of what this means for the planet, for where we operate as a good corporate citizen. So I think that that's a really important part to understand that while it is messy, it is honest and it is real. And the more we sort of understand that, I think the closer we can get to a place where we can have solutions that leverage technologies like Habitat in a way that makes more clarity out of the obscure and make sure that people understand what's really happening in a way that can influence their behaviors and maybe put more money into certain products or services that they want to see implemented throughout their value chain. Yeah, I think that's very, very well said. Exactly what you're saying. I mean, it's every solution out there is imperfect, but we don't want that to get in the way of us taking action and being able to speak candidly about the the positive activities that are happening. It can be positive without being perfect, right? Yes. That's the story of my life. (laughs) (laughs) What are some of the challenges? I mean, we've talked about this sort of like, what are some of the challenges that you see addressing climate change with food and with agriculture? So we talked a a bit about sort of the carbon sequestration, but I didn't know if there were other ones that you saw out there in your conversations with, with folks in the field. Yeah. 
there's a lot of opportunity in this space. And one thing that makes it challenging is when you try and take a global perspective. It's one thing to look at production systems here in the United States, but then you start to look globally and there's this challenge of sort of equity of climate impacts, but also equity of participation in these new these new markets and, and market opportunities. So when we think about you know, the populations that are going to be most impacted by climate change near term in agriculture, it's actually going to be a lot of smallholder farmers in developing countries. And those developing countries are probably going to be some of the last ones to really get these market mechanisms in place to, to incentivize and support those farmers in, in adapting their practices. So that's one of the big challenges that I see that I definitely don't have a great answer for, but that's one thing that we're trying to work on with our technology as it has a, it's global by nature and globally scalable by nature and, and something that can be applied to a variety of different production systems. So I'm hopeful we can do a better job driving towards some form of climate equity by putting these tools in the hands of farmers around the globe rather than focusing on our major production regions. But then, you know, tying that back to where most of the activities happen in today, the U.S. oftentimes is a leader in technology and in agriculture, and that's very true in, in the climate space. So, you know, I'm excited about these things around uh, environmental markets, and I like the ones that are doing more than just being prescriptive with practices. So some of the market mechanisms out there just say, we'll pay you a certain number of dollars per acre to reduce tillage or add a cover crop. But the ones that really get me excited are the the more outcomes based ones where we're actually looking at that that more nuanced perspective of like what's right for your farm, what's right for your region, and what are the overall impacts of these practice changes, not just carbon sequestration, but how have you reduced emissions up and down the value chain by the way that you change your practices, and how are you reducing downstream like watershed impacts? So when we go holistic and outcomes based, I think that's where some of the magic can really happen. Oh, great. Thank you for that. And so now that people have heard what Habitat can do and the value it brings both for corporations and for, for farmers and folks in the field, I guess the last question I have just to wrap up would be, what's on the horizon for Habitat? Yeah, uh, lots of exciting stuff happening. So, I mean, we're, we're a young company and there's a, there's a lot of youth in the space, right, in terms of uh, corporate entities. But We've been around for about three years. So really for us, the the technology has been developed to a state of maturity through extensive research, kind of pre-launch and then into the launch of this company. But the horizon for us is really just finding a way to to standardize and systematize the way that we quantify this stuff. So right now there's a lot of sort of call it like black box science on this where everybody's got their proprietary approaches and algorithms and ways to support these markets. But what we really need is is transparent science and the ability to compare across quantification methodologies and quantification technologies. So on the horizon for us is really just working with as many different partners and entities and and sectors, right? Public, private, nonprofit. We're working with a number of different partners across these sectors, but our goal is just to drive at the best possible science in this space. And I think as we continue to drive that transparency forward through published research and working sort of cross-sector to be that more like channel agnostic sort of source of truth in this in this space. I'm really excited to be able to drive forward the, frankly, the, the credibility of carbon impacts and environmental measurements in agriculture, because today, you know, it's it's early stages. And I think it's really important for us as an industry 
to make sure that we start off on a strong footing in terms of credibility of the the quantification of our outcomes, because that's a place where that, that can really make or break these market mechanisms. So Horizon for us is really just working with as many parts as we can and, and really continuing to get our technology on as many acres as possible. And we've been seeing that scale up significantly just in our first few years of operations. I think that's a great place to end it. Uh, thank you so much, Nick, CEO of Habitare, for being on the ESG Matters podcast. Uh, thank you for your time, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. It was my pleasure. You as well. Thanks. All right. Thank you for listening to the ESG Matters podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe to the ESG Matters podcast on your choice of podcast platforms. This podcast is brought to you by Amat Gumis and theme music by Dexter Thomas. Thank you.